All right, well, we're going to start a three-week series called The Power of Re, The Power of Re, these two little words that carry a ton of potential and impact. Uh, this week, we're going to look at the power of remembering, the power of remembering. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have a horrible memory at times. Sometimes it's by choice and sometimes it's on accident. Uh, and you can ask my wife uh, as she tells me to do things and I try my best to remember. But there's oftentimes I get to the grocery store and I have to call back exactly what was it that you needed me to get. And so now she'll often say, did you hear me? Did you hear me? I feel like a little kid. <laughs> Repeat back what I said. But, but sometimes I just don't have a, a good memory. Um, and sometimes it's, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you think of something and you go to another room to get it and then you enter into the room and then you're like, what did I step into this uh, room for? Uh, there's actually scientific data backing that. So if this makes you feel better, uh, it's called the event boundary phenomenon. All right. So you're not losing your mind. Uh, it's the way you were created. Okay. So when you step into a room, your brain is making space for something new. And so you forget what was behind you. So there's an explanation of what it is. So hopefully that frees you up and helps you uh, today. You're not going, going crazy. And there's all kinds of things that, that go along with, uh, with that. But isn't it crazy what you can remember? It's crazy what you can remember. I can remember my best friend's phone number from when I was uh, five to 10 years old. I can still remember his phone number. Uh, I can remember certain things that happened at certain times or lyrics from songs uh, 25 years ago. You can still, you hear the tune and you know the, the words like you have always known them. Certain things that happened 20 years ago. I'm, I'm amazed at some of the things I'm able to remember. I'm also amazed at what I'm able to forget. I'm, I'm able to forget certain things. And see, our memory is an extremely powerful tool. It's an extremely powerful to, tool. Now, the authors of the Bible often talk about remembering and the importance of remembering, but more specifically, over a hundred times, over a hundred times, they call out our forgetfulness. They call out our forgetfulness and especially our tendency to forget about God. Our tendency to forget about God. See, we, several times we see the importance of remembering, but it's the moments where the authors say, you're forgetting, you're forgetting. Uh, David, who wrote a lot of what we have uh, as the Psalms, um, these prayers, these songs, um, this is one of them. It's in Psalm 103, one through five. It says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, it's interesting to me, David in this moment is speaking to himself. He's speaking to his soul. Soul, don't forget. When things get difficult, when things don't go how your plans, please, soul, don't forget what God has done for you, that he's forgiven you of your sins, that he heals you and gives you hope, that he's redeemed you and he crowns you with love and compassion, that he alone satisfies. Soul, don't forget those things. And so I think it's important for us, no matter where you're at in kind of this faith journey, to remember, to not forget what God has done for us. Now, I'm going to teach in a little different way. I don't always teach like this. Uh, but there's going to be four specific things we talk about with remembering. They're each going to be kind of their own thing. So if you'd like to take notes, this is one of those days where taking notes will be easier as I, as I teach. 
Um, but some of you are here and you really are just investigating. So for you to remember, uh, that might be difficult. Um, and so this is what I want you to hear this morning is the idea of the character of who God is. The character of who God is. Maybe you don't know much about God, but maybe today would be this first moment where you hear about the character of, of God. And so Jesus would often say, and the people who followed Jesus early in the day, they would say, just come and see. So that's my invitation to you today. Just come and see who God is. Now, some of you are here and you've been here for a while and you, you at some point gave church another try. Like church didn't go well for you. Things have been difficult. And, and honestly, when I hear some of your stories, when you, when you talk to me about that, I honestly am amazed that you're here. Yeah. I'm amazed at what you've gone through and what you've experienced and that, that once again, you find yourself here pursuing God. And, and this is what I believe, that that's God's grace. Yes. That's God's grace that he hasn't left you. He, he's still with you and pursuing you, even when those maybe who confess to be, be Christians and, and the church has maybe hurt you. And so I'm thankful that you're here. And so this might be really important for you to be able to push through some of that stuff and remember what God has done for you. And now some of you have been in the church as long as you can remember. And, and often, I think those of you who've been around the church the longest, it's the easiest for you to forget. It's the easiest for you to forget who God is and what he has done on your behalf. So four things I'm going to encourage you to remember today. So number one, if you take notes, is that we must remember God's word that we must remember God's word. David, again, writes this in Psalm 119, 13 through 16. Let me say this. If you don't have a Bible, and this goes well with this point, uh, there are some red ones around you. Uh, we'd love to give you a Bible. That's our gift to you. Please take that. Uh, I would encourage you every week to, to have something in front of you, to write notes, to, to scribble on. Maybe it's a smartphone, but, but I know I often forget. Um, <laughs> I often forget what I, what I hear and what I say, and so notes often, often help me. And so Psalm 119, 13 through 16, it'll be on the screen as well. It says, with my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your works. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. It's interesting to me because I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that we live like this, that we often believe like this. But David, the writer here, is saying that the truth of what you have said, who you are, I rejoice as if I have great riches. He's saying that with, without it, he's nothing. Right? And then there at the end, he says, I will not neglect your word. I will not forget it. I will not go a day without thinking about it and 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 listening to it. And, and I just honestly, we did a survey uh, over the last couple of months. And one of the questions was, how often do you read the Bible? And it was amazing to me that over 50% of the people said either a few, a few times a month or less. But also in this survey, almost 99% of the people confess to be followers of Jesus. Right? And so one, you're not alone. So if you're here today and you're like, man, I don't read the Bible much. You're not alone. There's many of us in that, in that boat. But we've got to figure out what it would look like for us to really investigate the Bible on our own. Look, you, you, don't, you don't have to have me every time you open the Bible. I mean, that's the beautiful thing, that you have complete access to the Father. You have an opportunity to hear personally 
from him. Now, I understand that sometimes when you read the Bible, it's confusing. And I can remember as a teenager and getting the first Bible and I did what anyone does with a book. And you probably have done this too. You open it to the front and you begin to read from the front and it gets really confusing really fast. And so I would encourage you, maybe you don't know much about the Bible. Maybe you don't know much about Jesus. Uh, Go to what's called the New Testament. So this is when Jesus enters the, the world and read either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's the story of Jesus entering the scene and everything he says and everything he does. What would you begin to investigate on your own who God is? And so we have to remember to go back to God's word. In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, one of the central prayers of, of Jewish men and women, it's called the Shema. It's called the Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It says this, Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I gave you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Words should be on your heart. What what they understood was that that these have to be always on our mind. That they're always on our mind. And when they're always on our mind, there's an opportunity for them to impact our daily lives. And, and, and here as a dad, uh, I didn't grow up in the church, and I talk about that often, and so I didn't have an example set for me on how to really teach my kids and disciple my kids. And so as I read a scripture like this, it really just points out to me that it's just done naturally. That it's done naturally. That, that as I have conversations with my children and my neighbors and my friends, that it doesn't have to be weird. That it's just an opportunity for me to speak about what God has done or is doing in my own life and, and trying to reference and use God's word as often as possible. See, I don't think we put enough emphasis on the Bible. And there's lots of reasons for that, but I think we have to get back to beginning to read it for ourselves. I remember as a kid, uh, we had a small bookshelf, and, and on the bookshelf was this book. I don't, how many of you remember that? Anybody? Um, I thought it was interesting because I just saw The Way, and I didn't know what, what it was. You know, I just see it on the, the spine of the book, and it was The Way, and I thought it was kind of odd. Um, and so I eventually, as I got older, I, I pulled it off the shelf that it really never was pulled off of right? And we have those. We have more Bibles than we know what to do with. And so I remember pulling it off and realizing that in my home was the Word of God, the Bible. But we, we, weren't, we weren't doing anything with it. And so with smartphones and everything possible, there is no reason why we don't at least attempt. We don't at least attempt to do it. And so here's what I think happens when we don't. We don't truly understand who God is. Not only do we not truly understand who God is, it would be very easy for us to give some false ideas of who God is. We hear things, we hear people say things, and we take it as scripture. We take it as the word of God when it's, when it's not. And so we come up with false ideas, or it's like the game telephone, right? This is why I referenced the Bible, and I have it up there, and I want you to be able to read it. These are not my words. These are the words of, of God, when we begin to support things that just aren't true about the character of God. And I think maybe more than ever in our culture, that's happening. We're clinging to some things that I don't believe are true about the character of God. 
it's interesting. I was thinking about some things that people often think are in the Bible but aren't. Uh, cleanliness is next to godliness, not in the Bible. Uh, God will not give you more than you can handle. How many of you have ever heard that? Right? We hear that and we think, okay, what's the reference of that? It's, it's not in there. It's not in there. And, and then the last one, which I think can often be the most dangerous, is God helps those who help themselves. You've probably heard that. It's not in the Bible. If anything, it's completely opposite of the Bible. It's opposite of the gospel. In Romans, it talks about we, we can do nothing to work ourselves back to God. We're completely helpless. And so we have to understand, we have to, for ourselves, understand what God has for us. We have to remember that this is his directions to us. It's a manual. I don't know if you've uh, ever bought anything from Ikea. Um, the one thing about Ikea, it's cheap and it's a great store. Some of the things are extremely difficult to put together. And in the instructions, there's no words. Um, it's just pictures. And sometimes the pictures are understand. And then there's this. Um, which I've probably experienced every time. I've never called, but there's this moment of I put things on backwards. I don't understand what things look like. But, but with most things, there's this instruction manual on how to put things together. I, I believe we have an instruction manual on how to live life, yeah. on how to live life. And so my goal is to embrace that and to look at it. And so just some tangible things that, that I would encourage you to do. Maybe just set a reminder or an alarm on your smartphone to pray, to read scripture, um, there's reading plans. So there's a great uh, Bible on, on your smartphone. Most of you have smartphones. Just look up Bible app. It's version. There's all kinds of reading plans. You can connect with people. You can read about worry or stress. You can just read a scripture uh, Bible plan, but, but take advantage of these things. Post-it notes in your car. Um, memorize scripture. As I was thinking about this, I remembered a video I, I once saw. And so partly being Mother's Day, but, but also just this precious little boy that I want to show you this, this video. But the power of memorizing scripture. All right, show that, show that video. I should not want. He making me to lie down in green pasture. He leaded me beside the still water. He restored my soul. He leaded me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Neither do I walk to the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil. That are with me, that rod and that staff, they comfort me. That people table for me in the presence of my enemies. That noise of my head with all my cup running over. All of my shirt, surely get rid of mercy. Shall follow me all the days of my life. I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Someone reads scripture. There's something about memorizing scripture. We, we often talk about, last week, we talked about the voices that we hear. Right? We talk about taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. But if we don't know what that looks like, if we don't know what God is saying to us, that makes it extremely difficult when we begin to listen to the other voices. So would you this week just take a step, whatever that looks like for you personally. Maybe you're like, I don't even know if I believe the Bible. Just, just take a step. Just to begin to investigate it on, on your own. So the first thing I would encourage you to do is to remember God's word. Number two, remember who you once were. Remember who you once were. Now, this is specifically if you follow Jesus. All right, so if you follow Jesus, this is specifically for you. What, what was it like before you knew who God was? Some of you may not be able to really remember that. You've been in church forever. But when did you come to an acceptance of who God is? When did you move from kind of dark to light? When did you grasp meaning and fulfillment for the first 
time? When did your attitudes and actions begin to align with the ways of Jesus? Do you remember that? Do do you remember that? Because we often forget that. And because we forget that, we begin to treat people certain ways. Treat people certain ways because we have forgotten who we once were. This last week, we have a group of guys that play softball. And uh, last Thursday night, we played a doubleheader, 6.30 and 7.30. We were done by 7.45. And the reason we were done by 7.45 is because we got annihilated. We got killed. Short game, both games. And and there was a moment in the the game when uh, I I made an out and I was extremely upset with myself. And so I kind of swung my back back and I I messed up my thumb and I came back over on the bench and I'm, I'm frustrated and uh, Danny, someone who's a part of, of our church and plays softball, and he's known me since uh, our sophomore year in high school. Uh, the next inning, I was just telling him how I was frustrated. He goes, oh, I knew, I knew. I've seen that face before, Kyle. I've recognized that. And what, this is what I thought as I was leaving. Now, that was very quickly I went to the old me. Very quickly. My competitiveness, my desire to be the best, and my frustration and my anger in a moment in a dumb softball game, right? In a moment, I, I, I went back to who I, I was. How easily we forget who we were. How easily we forget what we have done. Now, if, if God is going to call us to be compassionate people, one of the ways we're going to have to be compassionate is to remember that God's had compassion towards us. That in the midst of who we are, while we were separated from him, he has brought us near to him. Paul, who writes a lot of the Bible, uh, he was a follower of Jesus. He would plant church and then write letters back. He said this in what's called Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Therefore, remember, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, so not Jewish, form, who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of his promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. It does us well to remember. It does us well to remember the lives maybe that we once lived and some of the decisions that we made. Maybe it just does us well to remember the hope that we didn't have and that we now have. What I think happens when we remember is we begin to put ourselves on an even playing field with the people around us who are not followers of Jesus. It's very easy for us to quickly judge people, condemn people, when we forget who we once were. And when we forget what God has done on our behalf. So I'm not not saying that this is easy, it's hard, it's hard to remember who wants to work. Sometimes when we remember, we have to think about the decisions that we once made. But, but in doing that, we're remembering what God has done on our behalf, that his love and grace has changed us. And so how often we choose to not forgive, right? And th- this is a, a big one, and this is extremely difficult, but I want to draw your attention to uh, uh, Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Matthew <clears throat> So Peter, who we talked about last week, had this great faith and he steps out of the boat and he walks on water. This is after that, so remember that. 
Jesus just talks about if a brother sins against you and he talks about forgiveness. And then here's Peter's response, uh, 18 verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Right, so Peter comes to, to Jesus and like, all right, you're talking about all this forgiveness. Uh, how often do I have to forgive the people who hurt me? Just seven, let me keep count. Once I hit seven, I know I can do what I want to do. I can say what I want to say. I don't have to forgive anymore. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. It doesn't mean just more and that we'll count to 77. It was this like forever number, always forgive. And he tells a parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, which would be millions of dollars, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. This man has a debt he could never repay. The master wants to punish him. The man begs for forgiveness and to be set free, and the master grants him freedom. Verse 28, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. This would just be a few dollars. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed, which he could never pay back. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This could have went well with our Jesus said what series that we were looking at. Forgiveness is difficult. Forgiveness, that, that's, a, that's a massive understatement. Right? We've been hurt by people. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy to forget. Right? And so when, when we talk about forgiveness, I'm not telling you you should forget. I'm not telling you that you should let people do whatever they want to you. But the idea of forgiveness, especially in this story, is to set people free. That you're no longer punishing them. And so for us, if we could just remember, we can just remember as we think about forgiveness, if we can just remember how much God has forgiven us. I mean, maybe, maybe you feel like you've only been forgiven little bit, but the debt you owed to God, you could never repay. You could never repay. And so he sends Jesus to pay the debt for us and he sets us free. And so for us, we have to remember that. We, when we forget that, that is when we move to being judgmental. It's when we move to assuming things about certain people. It's when we move to, to posting certain things online. Like how quickly we forget who you and who I once was. Some of you may be who you are right now. That God is wanting to change and to offer forgiveness. And maybe this would be a moment when from this moment on, you'll be able to remember what God has done for you. So we have to remember we have to remember forgiveness. We have to remember mercy. If we're going to extend that to the people around us. Number three, 
We have to remember where we find our identity. There is a war going on for your identity. There is a war going on for your identity. Your job, the education that you had or that you're getting right now, the money that you have or you don't have. Even as a mom, as you think about Mother's Day, even your identity as a mom, there's so many things that want to tell you who you are. Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15 says this, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox or donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien, so the foreigner, within your gates, so that your manservants and maidservants may rest as you do. And here's the, the important, verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, when he was writing this, they, they took this in the sense of you did absolutely nothing. There was no work whatsoever. Now that has changed for us. Um, just in culture and time, it's changed in what the Sabbath looks like. But when, when God set this up, when he set up the seventh day being a day for rest, it comes back to this. It comes back to this. And, and it really goes back to where God created and on the seventh day he rested. But it comes back to this. And this line, do you remember that you were once slaves? Like he's telling this group of people, the, these Israelites who had just come out of bondage, uh, they were forced to make bricks day in and day out. That was their life. That's all they did. They were slaves. And so in this moment, uh, there, there's a voice that speaks to them that is saying, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten the bondage you were in? Have you forgotten that you were once slaves? But God has brought you out of that. He has rescued you out of that. And so for us, as I think about the Sabbath personally, it is a, a reminder to me that my identity is found in nothing else except God alone. Nothing else. As a spouse, as a dad, as a pastor, as a friend, nothing else defines me. How much money I have or I don't have, nothing defines me. And so this is, the Sabbath is a time set aside for God to worship with other people what we're doing today, to spend time in creation, to, to recognize what God has created, our family, it comes down to being freed from anything that would keep us in bondage, anything that would keep us enslaved. Re remember that you were once slaves. God is saying no more. That's no longer who you are. Now, for me, in this, this summer, I'm taking an extended sabbatical. It's very easy for me at times to find my identity as a pastor. Very easy. What, what goes well and what we consider successful, it's very easy for me to say that is who I am. And it's very easy for me when I feel like things don't go well for me to say my identity is found in that. See, here, here's what is going to happen over this summer that is going to be really impactful for me and for you. This is for me and for you. Is that the success of this church, us as a community, is not about me. It's not about me. Now, it'd be very easy because I'm the one that stands up and speaks for me to think it's about me or for you to think it's about me, but it's not. 
it's funny sometimes, and I understand why people say this. They'll say, you know, it's your church. I'm like, whoa, very quickly. It is not my church. It is God's church. We are in this together. I, I just, in doing this uh, as my, my choice in life, as a, as a job and a calling that God has put on me, and I speak every Sunday, but, but for me, this is us doing something together. So this summer, as uh, God continues to use Trinity, he's going to use it in spite of me not being here. And he's going to do something because you're still here doing something, and more importantly, because he's still here doing something. And so it's important for you. It's important for me. It's important for us to remember that this is about God and not about me. And so there's going to be moments on this trip that it's difficult for me. On my time away, it's going to be extremely difficult because oftentimes my identity is wrapped up in this. And so for me to sit and for me to remember that I'm loved by God, that I'm created by God, that I'm seen as a son of the king, that is what's most important. Not what I do as a job. This sabbatical this summer is a declaration of freedom, yes. of rest for my soul. It's, it's for you as you think about Sabbath, whether it's Sunday or another day of the week, or maybe it's moments every day where you rest and you remember. You remember what God has brought you out of and that your identity is not wrapped up in anything but what God says about you. Successes don't define you. What you've done wrong do not define you, God alone. Number four, and this is a quick one, and, and we're going to celebrate something here uh, together, uh, is that we have to remember Jesus' suffering. We have to remember Jesus' suffering. Right before Jesus is arrested and he's uh, going to a cross and he's going to be crucified for, for all, um, all people, he's having a meal with his closest followers, and they're celebrating what's called the Passover. And it was this time where the Jewish people would remember what God had done, that he had brought them out of slavery and bondage and that he had rescued them. And so every year they'd have a meal and they would celebrate it. Well, well Jesus puts a spin to it and he changes it up a little bit. Luke twenty-two seventeen through 20. It says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, this is one of those scriptures as you hear it, you're like, what in the world is he talking about eating his body and drinking his blood? And, and it gets somewhat, somewhat confusing. And so just very, very quickly, um, Jesus is about to go to a cross and his body is going to be broken. He's going to be brutally beaten and his body is going to be broken. And he goes through this so you and I may find healing, that we may have hope. He's going to go to a cross and his body is going to be pierced and he's going to bleed and he's going to die for you and for me. And he's going to shed his blood for us. And the reason he does this is to pay the price, to pay the penalty of our sins. And so I, Every time we do this, so every time we do this, so Jesus says, do this and remember him. This is a moment for us to remember what God has done on our behalf, that he's paid the price for each one of us. So when you, in a moment, I'll explain, but when you take bread, and earlier it was broken, and, and, and you take it, I want you to remember what Jesus has done on your behalf. And he didn't do this for a future version of you, 
right? He didn't do this thinking, oh, one day they'll, they'll be well, one day they won't make as many mistakes. No, he did this for the messed up version of you, okay? And so as you take the bread and you eat the bread, you think about God's uh, sending Jesus and him being broken for us. And, and then as you take the bread, and you'll come up in a moment, you'll take bread and you'll dip it in the juice, and you'll, you'll, you'll eat that, and you'll remember, you'll remember Jesus giving his life so that we may experience life to the fullest here and in eternity. Now, this isn't meant to be taken lightly. Uh, this is open to anybody, uh, anybody who wants to participate and, and be a part of this. Uh, you're welcome at the table here, um, but it's not taken lightly. And so if you would say, you know what, I don't think I'm a Christian, I'm just investigating, then I'd probably encourage you today, um, just observe, just watch. If you, though, would say, and maybe today would be the first day where you would say, and I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus and following Jesus to understand what he's done on my behalf, that he's given his life for me. Maybe today's the first day that you participate in this with us. And so Greg's going to come up and he's going to just play. And there'll be a station on both sides here. And there'll be a station in the back. And you'll just make your way when you're ready and you'll take a piece of bread and you'll dip it in the cup and someone will be serving you and they will just simply say, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. And then you can take it right there um, in that that spot. If you need help today getting communion, uh, maybe you have a hard time making your way down, uh, just stay where you are and then at the end, I'll look around and get our attention and we'd love to be able to come and serve you where you're sitting. So again, it's an opportunity to remember. And if we can remember this, if we can remember what, what Jesus has done for us, then don't we want to know everything he says? D- don't we want to remember? Don't we want to remember who we once were? That it's because of Jesus and Jesus alone that I'm standing before you today. It's only because of him. And in a moment, I can go back to who I once was. You too. You too. And so it helps us to be compassionate and life-giving to the people around us, to love people well because we have been loved, to forgive because we've been forgiven. It helps us remember that my identity is found in nothing except in Jesus alone and what he's done on our behalf. So I'll pray when you feel comfortable. Uh, Kristen and Bill, if you would come forward. I'm going to pray, and then after that, uh, when you feel comfortable and you want to participate and and take communion, I would encourage you to move to one of the the spots. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you've done on our behalf. We don't enter into this lightly. We, We understand how horrendous this was, how horrible of a moment that Jesus goes through as he dies on a cross. And so we don't enter into this lightly. We enter into this with thanksgiving of remembering what you have done for us. God, would you speak to us as we participate in this together? Would you help us to remember this morning? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.